November 3rd, Oklahoma voters will decide State Question 805, a criminal justice reform measure that would end the use of sentence enhancements for repeat nonviolent offenders. The State Question comes at a time when Oklahoma voters have approved sentencing reform measures in recent years, and many have worked to change the state's status as one of the largest incarcerators in the world. For The Frontier, I'm Ben Felder, and on this week's episode of Listen Frontier, I speak with one of the leaders of State Question 805 about what the initiative would do if passed and her response to opponents who say it would increase crime rates across the state. Sarah Edwards is president of Yes on 805, which collected more than 245,000 signatures to place the question on the November 3rd ballot. On Thursday, she spoke with me about the initiative, addressed opponents' claims, and discussed what the campaign will look like in the few months leading up to the election. I am the uh, president of Yes on 805, Inc., which is is you know, behind the campaign for the state question. A little bit about myself, an attorney with a local law firm here. Uh, I spent um, the early part of my career as an attorney for the Oklahoma House of Representatives, um, drafting legislation for um, human services, um, child welfare, health care. I moved over to the governor's office and Um, They're assisted with pardons, paroles, executions, commutations, um, you know, executive orders, those duties. And then when the governor turned out, um, I moved into private practice. Um, But my my experience um, with child welfare and um, and and also with um, the pardons and and paroles, uh, the duties I had at the governor's office, was really eye-opening. I, I saw, you know, child welfare as a pipeline to prison. Um, I saw, you know, we really dug into the prison files and um, just saw a lot of people in prison for a long time, you know, for a lot of mental illness, um, childhood trauma. Uh, and um, I, think, I think we can do better. My heart's been in it for a long time now. Talk to us a little about what is 805? What, is it, what does it do different than maybe some of the other initiatives that we've seen in the past? So right now, district attorneys are able to seek sentences beyond the maximum sentence um, currently in law for that particular offense. And state question 805 just simply eliminates that additional penalty on top of the maximum sentence that um, can already be given. Um, It doesn't, uh, and and this is for um, nonviolent offenders who have had a a prior offense. Um, It does not prevent a sentencing body from um, taking into account the prior offense when, um, when determining the um, the appropriate sentence. So I just want to make sure that that's clear. So what problem is this um, resolving right now? 
Currently, um, Oklahoma incarcerates uh, 70 to 79 percent, has longer sentences uh, than, um, than the rest of the, the nation. Uh, we, need to, um, we need to get in line with, um, with the rest of the country. We hold the top spots in incarceration, and it's because we have um, people for low-level property offenses and um, drug offenses going to, to prison for life. Um, you know, as a result of these enhancements. Other states that utilize enhancements generally utilize them maybe one in one in five cases. Oklahoma utilizes them uh, four out of five cases. And um, there's, I, I encourage everyone to go to the website. There's a report um, that was done by the Oklahoma Council uh, on Public Affairs that really kind of goes through and highlights um, you know, what, what we're doing and, um, you know, and, and the potential cost savings, which, you know, could, could be um, a, um, almost uh, 200 million over the next 10 years. So what is it about Oklahoma? Why are we an outlier in this? I mean, why are we seeing um, this mechanism used while other states are, are using it more sparingly? I think, um, We've taken, you know, our state legislature for so long took, a, you know, a tough on crime uh, position. I think that was a popular position, especially in the 80s um, and 90s. And we, we need to shift. We need to be smart on crime um, and, uh, and change this trajectory. Essentially, what we're doing is, um, is just unsustainable. So if you, if you take a look and, and what I saw in my time at the legislature and in the, in the governor's office, um, you know, we, uh, we have a failing system and we are um, continuing to basically fail our children is what we're doing. So we're putting people in prison um, for life for low-level property offenses and drug offenses, um, right? And it costs our state approximately 20000 per year per person. If that person has a child that enters the child welfare system, that's an additional $20,000 per year per child. And then children are four to seven times as likely to um, become incarcerated if they have a parent uh, who's in prison. What we're doing is just unsustainable. Uh, we we're ruining lives, and we're spending a lot of money to do it. Um, 805 is a solid step in the right direction to, um, I, I believe, to end this uh, waste of lives and money, and help turn the state's trajectory. Um, to get resources to people that will help them be productive. People who, who approach this issue, you know, come from different uh you know, from different corners. I mean, there's some, some who take the, the kind of the fiscal responsibility argument. This is a way to uh, to save state uh, taxpayer dollars. 
Um, there are some that look at this as, uh, you know, a more just way of treating the individ individual who's incarcerated, and, and some come, you know, believe in these multiple reasons. It's interesting. You're for you, it sounds like you're you're talking a lot about you know the impact on children, and obviously that was a, some work that you did or have done. So you've kind of seen that impact uh, uh, up close, and sometimes it feels like that that's maybe a part of the story that kind of gets ignored, right? I mean, when someone goes to prison, you know, not all have children, but, but many do. And, and the impact that's left to that family when they now have a, a, a parent who's incarcerated, um, it, it's a broader impact than just the individual that's in prison, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it impacts the whole family. It impacts, um, you know, the parents of the person who's incarcerated, the kids of the person who's incarcerated, brothers, sisters. Everyone, uh, you know, has to has to deal with that. Um, but, you know, the issue here is uh, the low level, you know, nonviolent offenders. Um, you know, studies show that um, mental health treatment, substance abuse, and, and addiction treatment, job training, education reduces um, any type of recidivism significantly. If we can just get resources. Um, you know, more on the front end, uh, and, and instead of, you know, spending, oh my gosh, thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, just locking people away, and, and you know, not getting to the root cause of the issue, um, we could save that money, get that money, you know, and get the resources to people at the beginning, at the outset, and you know, really change lives change our state. Yeah. And the time is now. The legislature, I, I mean, women, just for example, we've been top in incarcerating women for three decades. Three decades, right? I mean, it's tremendous. Um, and it's just, it, it's, it's unacceptable. Um, the state legislature continues to study, and, and I know Governor Stitt has continued to study the is issue, but we have evidence-based reforms ready to go. And, and we believe Oklahomans are ready to take action to, to fix this problem. We're tired of being number one, holding the top spots in incarceration. We wanna hold the top spots for education. How receptive are you finding Oklahomans to 805? We believe Oklahomans are, are ready for change and um, they're ready to, to fix our failing system. And um, I think people know that state question 805, there's a lot of work that, as you said, three decades, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. The state question 805 is just a common sense reform um, that is a solid step, in, in, again, in the direction um, to change our state's trajectory. Yeah. One thing that's interesting about this is kind of the bipartisan amount of support. We're not used to seeing much bipartisan support on many things in life right now yeah um, right but but especially right now there is some opposition i mean the governor said he's not in favor of this although he's talked mainly about the fact that it enshrines in the constitution but most of the opposition mm -hmm. is coming from prosecutors and you know there how would you respond to to their argument because you talk about this era of tough on crime and a lot of the things that i've heard prosecutors say in opposition to this kind of continues that mantra, right? That this is going to, you know, continue to, this, this would make, you know, career criminals able to, you know, thrive in Oklahoma. And, and some of this language that we've heard in years past, is this just a matter of like district attorneys not catching on or, or why, why are we seeing such resistance from 
um, the prosecutor community on this? Well, first of all, um, the prosecutors resisted with uh, state questions 780 and 781. Um, you know, I mean, basically we're saying the sky is falling, you know, it's, we're going to have rampant crime. And if you if you take a look at the statistics, um, are, all of the numbers are better um, after 780 and 781. Uh, and so I, I think that's an important thing to point out. Um, district attorneys, I, I think there's um, a, an issue with a loss of um, control, a loss of power, and um, you know that um, that. It's just something that, you know, it is going to happen with, with that. Um, but again, district attorneys still um, have plenty of discretion and, um, and control in what they charge and, you know, the sentences they seek. And um, so there's, there's room there for, for all of it. Um, as far as Governor Stitt being opposed due to the constitutional amend, uh, that's a constitutional amendment. I'll just say that um, with state questions 780 and 781, we put that in statute and um, Oklahomans for criminal justice reform, which I am a board member of, has been working every year since we passed that initiative. So since 2016 or two, that, the 2017 legislative session, working every year to keep that from being rolled back. Mm. Um, so it's just a matter of, you know, it, it's it's a little tougher to roll back um, if it's in, put in the constitution. And that's an interesting point because as we talk about kind of the shift and maybe Oklahomans thinking on this matter, um, that's not for everyone. And, and even in the legislature, there's been, like you said, some, some attempts to roll back some things that, that Oklahomans have voted in favor of. Well, one of the reasons we're talking this week about it is because uh, state question 805 will officially be on the ballot in November. Uh, tell us a little about the, the process to get to this point and, and, and the action this week. Yeah, well, we, um, we started, the Secretary of State set the date for the day after Christmas. So we started, um, we started collecting um, signatures that day. We um, collected 260,000 signatures in 80 days, we had to um, stop 10 days before the deadline due to, um, you know, the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So, but we were able, the, the number um, needed uh, was 178,000. We were able to collect 260,000. Um, we uh, had to kind of navigate the process of turning in the signatures. Um, that was a bit of a, a hurdle, but um, me and two other people uh, essentially wiped down um, 53 boxes with Clorox wipes and um, got them delivered to the Oklahoma Secretary of State's office. Uh, we got it, everything got counted and, and turned in. Um, signatures were certified with the, the Oklahoma Supreme Court. We um, made it through the 10 day protest period um, without a challenge. And so um, now it's just uh, a matter of um, a couple of formalities and, and um, we expect to be on the ballot in November 2020. And you got it done just in time before the pandemic, but that's the world that we're in now. What is the campaign going to look like 
uh, in the months to come before November while you're also having, you know, I'm sure things are going to have to be different than they normally would be because of COVID-19. Right. Well, we're, we're really focusing on virtual um, and, uh, you know, not, not really canvassing or, you know, door knocking. Um, we want to be safe. Um, although, you know, as we, we continue to monitor how things are going in the state and, you know, canvassing is, is always a really effective tool um, in campaigns. But um, again, the focus is, is safety of everyone. And um, so we're really looking towards digital to educate and get the mes- message out on 805 um, and, and help people understand um, that the time, the time is now and, and this is a much needed reform. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Listen Frontier. You can find all episodes on the Listen Frontier podcast feed. You can also find more of our journalism at readfrontier.org. For The Frontier, I'm Ben Felder. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back with you next week.